Hey, future Black and Latinx leaders. You are listening to the Keys to the Office podcast, where we interview amazing professionals who share their individual career paths to set you up for success. We're giving you the keys to the office, and all you need to do is show up ready to unlock the door. Let's jump into today's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Keys family. Um, at per usual, we're in for a treat, but today is extra special because this woman is in my head, my counterpart, my colleague, my peer, someone, um, just a thought leader committed to doing the work in this space. Um, a financial professional, but I'm excited because she's kind of me across the water. So we, we've crossed the borders here today and y'all are in for a treat. We have Mary Adeyemi, global finance professional, career strategist, author. Um, did I say award-winning investment professional? How dare I leave that out? Um, and she's spoken at or coached at, you know, well over a hundred conferences and webinars like I'm excited because I have her book. And if you stick around, I'll talk to you about how you can get one. But my goodness, family, join me in welcoming Mary Adeyemi to the podcast. Hey. Mary. Hey, Keith family. Yes. I like it. I like it. Yes. I like the community brand. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. Like. When I got my hands on the book after we spoke the last time, I was like, wow, she is doing big things. And she has put a lot into this, like how to like step-by-step guide, right? For so many talk to me. Okay. First, before I even jump into that, you see how excited <laughs> well, I am, right? I'm jumping in hot. So I was like, okay. Jumping in hot. <laughs> um, tell us who you are and what you do. <laughs> No, oh my God. Um, Christina, thank you for having me. So excited. Um, and I'm so, so excited to like actually like see copies of the book on the other side of the world. It's amazing. You know, you, you do something really small and you don't even know that it's going to get to travel before you do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm super humbled and excited at the same time. But hey, guys, super excited to be here. I guess a little bit about me, three words that would describe me would be that I am passionate, purposeful, and people-oriented, and I get to do this across a number of spheres. Um, So I'm a finance professional. That's my nine-to-nine kind of job. (laughs) So I work in investment banking. I have done probably for the last um, 15, going on 16 years now. Um, but alongside that, I've always kind of walked this tightrope of, you know, business, but also like social pursuits. I'm just a very philanthropic person by nature. And so I just try to give myself to different things that I that I love and kind of seeing advancement in different spaces where I know that I can add value. So whether that is in the charity space or in um, career development mm-hmm. or diversity and inclusion, whatever it is, I always feel like I find myself there. But I think my major um, sort of stumping ground is definitely in the in the area of equitable um, career developments. And I use equitable like, you know, very intentionally. So with me being as like a black woman in a largely male, white dominated industry, mm-hmm. I found that that was just such a space that I could really lend my voice to. And I was as I was growing in my career, 
I really wanted to make sure that those who were coming along the pathway kind of didn't struggle as much as maybe I did in my career when I started. And so I've always kind of been quite active in the space of, um, you know, just basically lifting as I was climbing and always looking back and thinking, okay, what, you know, I've learned something. Okay. How do I spread that message? Mm-hmm. So I, I used, I always used to do like a lot of things around, um, you know, learning and development, training, building new talent programs, recruitment um, and the like. And about calling maybe four years ago, all of those efforts then became um, my social first company called Visibility Limited. And we are on a mission and mandate to improve the outcomes for Black women in the marketplace through inspiration, coaching and community. Um, so yeah, I was kind of say like, yeah, it's, it's we're four years old as a company, but it's pretty much my life's work. It just sort of has a name now mm-hmm. um, so I can attract the right type of sponsorship and, and the like to it. And so, um, you know, four years on, it's it's completely morphed into so many different things. Yeah. So like we kind of share stories of women in the market based on what they're doing. But also I think the, the arm of it that has grown so much is sort of this sort of more coaching career strategy piece. And so that's where I get to you know, talk to a lot of, um, whether it's teaching, talking, workshops, training, whatever format that looks like, but really helping, you know, professionals um, help them make work work for them. Because I think that it, mm. it, I think that too many people check out of work a little bit too early. And in particular, as we think about sort of the Gen Z, mm-hmm. um, you know, gener- this generation Z, right? Um mm-hmm. It's everything is like fast, fast, fast. If it doesn't work, we're out. If it doesn't work, we're out. And I just, you know, I've just, you know, I'm kind of this sort of weird, like, you know, older Gen Z, very, very, very young millennial. And I, I really just appreciate how enabling of an environment the workplace can be. Um, but, you know, it takes, you have to be able to see through it. And you also have to be able to be in a place that kind of works for you, a place that's leveraging your strengths, where you can really contribute value. Um, and I think when you're in that space, you're kind of, you can't, you go to, you go to work with joy. It doesn't mean it's not going to be stressful, but you mm-hmm. go to work enjoying what you do. And that's sort of the, the space that I find myself in and, and really what I encourage people to, to try to kind of replicate for themselves and kind of live out. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for career joy um and you know figuring out the steps for you to get there so yeah so that's a little bit about me and what I do um I'm Nigerian I didn't say that no you didn't but I have lived in the UK probably now 20 years maybe um so the UK is very much home um but so is Nigeria so I I kind of shuttle back and forth between the two countries my family Mm -hmm. and I kind of live here as well so um yeah so that's that's me in a nutshell Girl, in, the, in that nutshell, you shared so much. Like I was literally writing like, okay, I want us to dig deeper into this and dig deeper into this um, because there's so much here. Like it sounds really corny, like on the front end, but like there's this sisterhood, this unspoken sisterhood between us and between women in financial services, Black women in financial services, because there have been so few of us for so long um, in positions of influence, right, with seats at the table. So to have this conversation with you today just means the absolute world to me. It, it's it's one of the reasons I started this podcast. Um, so thank you 
thank you for carving out the time because I know it's after normal business hours there. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's been a long day. So thank you. I appreciate that. And, and I want to jump in because you mentioned being from Nigeria, now in the UK. I'm going to ask you what, what has come up in a lot of my conversations with folks from Nigeria, because you're probably going to pick maybe the fourth podcast first okay. podcast guest from Nigeria. We are everywhere. And, and I want to hear your perspective. So what did you want to be when you grew up versus maybe what were you encouraged to pursue mm. as you were growing up? Hmm. Um, it's interesting. I don't actually think I had one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had those like, this is where you, I want to be. Yeah. I, I was just very aware of the things that I probably did well. Mm-hmm. I, didn't really know what that was going to look like as a career. Um, but I, I just, I think I just was quite, I was aware. My, and my parents were like one of these like um, helicopter parents that kind of were like every little thing. They were like, oh my God, she did this. She's amazing. You know? <laughs> I was just always like this, you know, really celebrate, you know, be really being celebrated for just like little things that, you know, come naturally to you. And then they're like, oh my God, that's crazy. That's, you know, that, you know. Uh-huh. You know, and I know for like very quickly things around like maths and um, money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I leaned into that like big time and it was just so natural. Uh, And my dad used to always just be like, okay, um, yeah, this might be like a thing. I in many ways maybe wish like I had explored maybe other stuff or Mm. maybe courage to like explore other things like intentionally but also those were not things that I necessarily liked um so it, you know it's a little bit of a um it, it's a mixed bag I think you can only look at it in hindsight mm-hmm. woman I think like I, I went to a good school I you know studied things in the sciences and the arts and in sort of in the business world I chose for myself to to kind of you know, focus quite early on, you know, the economics and the commerce and accounting and that type of, of work and maths. Um, and I didn't quite enjoy biology and chemistry and those things. I wasn't forced to do it, but I wasn't also encouraged to do it. I was just kind of left alone to my own device. Oh, wow. So I think that I kind of served me well. And I, and effectively, I just, I just, my education was really around what I liked doing. I love it. Um, and so it meant like school for me was like you know not easy because school is never easy nothing's ever easy but I was kind of in my general like generally in my comfort zone I always felt like I could learn and I always felt like I would always pass the exam I never had any f- thoughts that you know it wouldn't go well I just always I knew like I could do this mm-hmm. so I kind of I felt like I found that quite early and then you know as you might have heard from your other guests you know growing up in the 90s, um, you are, you know, especially in Nigeria, you're either like an engineer, a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, like it's pretty much that. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. And and once you know, once you once you're doing numbers, it effectively and you like money, it's kind of like, okay, maybe it's the accounting kind of field or mm-hmm. But one thing I remember was my dad being very, very adamant that he wanted me to have a profession and not just a job. Mm. Big distinction. I remember him kind of saying, you know, and for him, accounting was a profession and 
business was like not really a thing. <laughs> so he was just like, wow. I want you to like have a profession, something like you are part of a community of people who have like studied and have these like letters, you know, mm-hmm. after your name and all that. Cause it was very, very big on the whole profession thing. Mm-hmm. And I went down the accounting route, but as much as he encouraged it, I also enjoyed it. So I was not really funneled into a path. I think I just found my way through it and kind of liked it. Um, and then, so I studied accounting and finance in school and, um, I started accounting and finance in school, but quickly, I think that was when things started changing. I started realizing like I, there were other skills that I had that I didn't feel were like, were going to be utilized doing accounting. Um, in particular, like, um, like I'm such a people person mm. I couldn't see myself like, trying to figure out how to balance the the balance sheets and I just could and and at that time I don't think I even had a very full idea of all the things that accountants do in hindsight now I know better but at the time I just thought I'm not going to sit in a back room with like paperwork and like you know be balancing the trial balance I couldn't see myself do that so I just knew like maybe through university that I wanted to be in a place where I use numbers and I worked with numbers but I use numbers to help other people like to to make decisions Mm -hmm. So that human interaction was there. And so that kind of is what encouraged me down the pathway of banking um, um, because in effect, it was kind of bad. And so I'm able to still use that skill. I still qualified as an accountant just because my dad was always very like on me. So I still Mm -hmm. did kind of, you know, satisfy him, but also kind of appease myself, I guess, in some way. Um, But yeah, but then that's kind of how I forwarded into banking. Um, But I guess the other thing that I always maybe on the sidelines always felt like I could do really well was teach. Mm, Okay. I I just, I knew like it was just a skill. I always found myself like helping other people. I found that, you know, the more, and apparently the story goes that when I was in school um, and this is like really young when I was in um, like primary school that I would, you know, finish like my classwork and then I would go and start helping everyone around the class. Um, and then there are times when the teacher was teaching and I would literally say, that's not how you do it. So I, Stop, like, I can't marry. <laughs> like they used to be like, I used to have so much sass about it that they would like, give me the chalk and like ask me to come and like teach the class. Just, uh, just, just, just crazy. Yes. That tells the story all the time of how she had been called into school. Not once, not twice <laughs> about how I was taking over the class and I wasn't letting people. So I actually skipped a few classes consequently. Like they kind of just, well, okay, well, if you're over the class and you're, you know, you can just move ahead. And in Nigeria, that wasn't uncommon. Mm. Um, it felt like you were like, you know, acting well above the class. They would just move you on. Um, yeah. Skip a class, you know. And so I skipped a few of those such that by the time I was about to go into high school, I was only about eight years old. Um, so I started like high school at eight, graduated from high school at 14. Um, and I started university at 16. So it was a very, very strange like pathway, but I think it's one of those things where like, you know, the, the environment kind of helped me do that. But yes, yeah, so I always felt like I could teach, but I always thought to myself, teachers don't make a lot of money. So maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the process of elimination. And yeah, but, you know, here I am doing my banking thing and still teaching, but just kind of finding ways to combine the two. So it's, it's actually quite interesting how, how life turns around. I <laughs> love this story right (laughs) like I'm sitting here and I'm like okay 
she knew she wanted to do the math thing, right? Math was like, obviously the path she was going to pursue. And then she was like, mm, I want to teach. And she's like, well, there's really no money in teaching. And she's like, there's this thought process, right? And you mentioned something too about not wanting what you thought the typical accounting path looked like, right? Mm-hmm. So being intentional about being open to what other paths could potentially exist. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, I talk to a lot of people when I think of accounting, and when they think of accounting, it's strictly numbers, it's strictly balance sheets. And when they think of financial services, oftentimes, unfortunately, it's strictly white male dominated, greasy sales, right? Mm -hmm. We know there are other options within both fields now. And I think part of our job, part of our duty is to share that with our communities, right? And talk to them about saying, you know, you love math. You could do this. You could do this. You could do this. You could pave the way. And, and you know, like there's so many, you love teaching, teach someone math, right? Teach someone, become a professor, right? There's so many different routes to take once you've identified what it is that fuels you. And you knew from an early age what that was. And it sounds like you had the support from your family um, to pursue that path. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's probably one of the best like pathways in terms of upbringing mm-hmm. just really served me well was just very early on being kind of allowed to make my own decisions but with guidance but kind yeah. of allowed, kind of you know what what do you want what do you like what do you you know I kind of go down that way my, my brother like went down the engineering pathway like it was just very like no one I wasn't like it you know I was following anyone mm-hmm. and, um, and both my parents like are like public sector workers. My mother is a nurse. My dad, you know, worked with worked with the government for a really long time, and then eventually started coaching professional. Interestingly enough, really, yeah. So I think I get that bone from him very much. So, um, so yeah. Um, but he he worked like you know with the government for the for the longest time. Had a very very thriving public sector career, and then. When he's um when he when he retired, he was just like, yeah, let me let me do this. But he's like he he's exactly like me in that he was always about career development. How can you be better? How can I help you be better? He was always doing that even at work, and mm-hmm. then started doing it like full time. Yeah, when he was like it. from like his formal career. I love it. L- let me ask you this, right? I-, I think your dad would have served as a mentor. Um, in that coaching space, did you have other mentors, right? How did you, let me, let me rephrase, not how did you, but did you see yourself in others in leadership as you moved through the industry, as you moved through the financial services and the banking space? Um, did someone take you under their wing and provide that guidance and support either by mentorship or sponsorship? Yeah. Um, yes. But it looked very different for me, I would mm. say. Um, I had, you know, again, like my my parents would always help me leverage their network in terms of like people like, you know, uncles, as we call them, you know, uncles in quotes. Mm-hmm. Uncles oh, yeah. Who like, you know, were professional people. My, my mom always was like, oh, you know give her advice she's going into this space or she's looking at things in this field and so I kind of always had like a basket of people um homegrown but you know these are people who probably had careers in Nigeria 
very different from building a career here. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a need to have mentors and guidance like across the board and, and kind of helping you solve different problems. Mm. I had people who could like give me advice from an industry perspective and career path perspective. Um, but what I lacked was like really around how can I, you know, transition well in an environment where I was now seen as a minority because that was something I had never really been until I moved into the UK mm. and like really come to terms with first of all the idea of even being a minority and what that could mean but then you know then try and kind of fi- find my own pathway through and it wasn't always the easiest because it's just not you know you're trying to build relationships with people but there's no point of affinity that's that was always my challenge it was like what do we even talk about what do we like I don't watch football and they do mm-hmm. um, don't go to the same clubs pubs or whatever they don't go to church I do like they, there was just no point of reference mm-hmm. I think I always just really struggled with getting that advice you know in the earlier days I definitely benefited from formal like mentorship programs that were set up by organizations so I always say like you know, sometimes take those programs, right? Go through those programs. You may not have anything, but it, it is just, it is something that's created to almost break, bridge the gap um, between getting your own mentors through affinity, just, you know, but it, it's a great sort of level playing field. And so I had some great mentors through that process. In particular, I remember a guy called Brian, who was just to help from when I was trying to get promoted, my first like layer up the rung from analyst to associate he was so intentional about like, how do you sell yourself? How do you write your performance review? How do you document like the work you've done in the year? Like I would like write, I'll write performance reviews around like, you know, helped team do X, but it was like, what does that mean? And he Mm -hmm. was like, what is it in dollars? What is it in time? What is it in efficiency savings? Like he was very, very specific and got me into thinking about things numerically and not just, you know, qualitatively. So he was like a really great guide. But I think probably the the mentor for me that um, stood out um, and (laughs) it was quite a tumultuous relationship, I would say, at the start. But he's probably like one of the most influential people in my career and we still keep in touch today. He was actually my manager. But for the first time, I had a a Nigerian manager. I was probably about four years into my career um, and he joined. And that was actually quite difficult because I was like I was already used to being like the only Mm -hmm. And I I'd fig- tried to figure out how to operate. And then he came through. And so initially it was a bit of like, uh, how do we figure this out? It's a, a little bit difficult. Um, you know, when someone can finally pronounce my surname correctly, I was yeah. like, this is a bit weird. Yeah. Um, but eventually what I realized, like for the first time, he was able to help me disseminate and decipher feedback in a way that I would get it. So I was always being told certain things, but I just didn't understand. It wasn't practical. And I think he was the one that really helped me. Like, this is what they mean. Like, let's break it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we had affinity. He had a brother who lived close to my parents' house. They were just wow. things we had in common. And so our conversations just became a lot more open, even though there was still that like manager, manager, you know, sort of relationship, but. It, I could tell the difference immediately. And so that's where, like, I, you know, where I talk about the importance of, you know, culturally relevant mentors mm. it can never be underestimated. Like there's just something about seeing someone who looks like you or is from where you are um, and being able to reach out to them or even have them reach out to you. There's just something just phenomenal about that. Mm-hmm. And he, for the first time, 
was probably the one person who who gave me so much responsibility that I actually thought he was trying to make me like he was trying to break me. Mm. But effectively, like in hindsight, it was just trust. He was the first person that I knew really made that switch from giving guidance to creating opportunities. And that's the difference, I think, between mentorship and sponsorship. He wasn't just telling me like, oh, hey, do this, do that. He was actively creating opportunities. So he would go into meetings and suddenly I'll come, he would come out and I'll have a new project. And, you know, no one else did that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were just opportunities that, you know, he created or fought for when I wasn't on, I didn't, I wasn't on, on the table. I wasn't in the room, but he would go in five opportunities for me, come out and I would do stuff. Um, and it wasn't in a way where it was like favoritism. I mm-hmm. think it was actually like leveling the playing field. He was taking away like the in, the inequities that had existed, you know, before he joined and kind of saying, actually, hold on a minute. She's just as good. Why is she not doing it? Why mm-hmm. is it always going to this person? Hey, okay, that's enough. Let's pull that back and let's split this and let's make sure everything is doing well. And that was probably like the platform on which I really started demonstrating my capabilities in the workplace. So he was like a big, big one, um, Ade. And I write about him in the book, actually. Um, and he's just super influential. He's just always very influential in my career. And even though we don't work together anymore, we've all kind of moved on to other other companies and other pursuits we still catch up and he's just still like someone that yeah like I would always have great things to say about him um and then I guess as I got more senior I would definitely say like there was a lady like white American beautiful soul um and we just bonded I have no idea we just bonded on just femininity Mm -hmm. Christian we bonded on faith. Um, it was just, it, we bonded on weird things, like things that people wouldn't typically bring to the office. That's kind of what we bonded on. I actually remember one day, like something quite terrible happened to a friend of hers. Like a, they lost a child um, just shortly after, like, and she called me into a room and just said, can you pray with me? Like very, like, these are things that don't happen, like in the workplace typically, but we bonded over that type of stuff. And again, she was someone that I realized gave me so much responsibility, um, you know, qu- quite quickly. So again, would give me advice, but would give me opportunities. Um, and so those are people like I remember were really attached to very, very specific intentional moments of growth for me, um, just because they just saw in me the potential to do something bigger than the seat that I was in. And they were willing to stake their, you know, reputation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And- Hey, she's going to do it. She's going to handle this fine. You're in good hands. So even though I didn't feel like I was necessarily capable hands, they were even just like their own, um, their, their market, that stamp of co- like of confidence was so meaningful and so game changing for me. Yeah. So there've been a few people like that in and across dotted around, um, you know, and yeah. And I think my advice there around sort of finding mentors is like the mentors can look and sound very different. They don't have to always look like you. Um, if they do great and you're able to get something out of them, fantastic. Mm-hmm. If they don't, that's okay too. Um, the fact is like, as human beings, like we, we're, we're more alike than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the moment you can give space for, uh, for people to contribute to your life um, and be open to receiving that, then, you know, the more sort of 
places you can connect. And I think, yeah, I, I, I fundamentally believe in humanity and that people are constantly like probably more looking for how to help rather than how to hurt. Yeah. People are constantly looking for more ways letting them how to help, not help hurt. hurt. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And and I was sitting here thinking about my own story and my own mentors and sponsors. And I, I mentioned her in a previous episode, one of my managers in financial services who saw something in me I didn't see in myself, a white woman, and um would, you know, give me these stretch assignments, right? Would just really believe that I had the potential to do so much more than I was doing. Um, and she was right there to provide that coaching and, you know, that ear, you know, when things got tough or I needed, like, I'm not sure, like, I, I think maybe, and I needed another, she was right there and began to speak my name in rooms to this day. She is, you know, stuck with me and she knows it. Um, but, but we connected on like interesting things, right? One, because we're both Leos. Two, because we both love to read. And so she would like send books. I I was out for a bit to have surgery. She like sent these books that she knew I would love. And I love them, right? She got to know me and my strengths. And she was very intentional about that. Um, And that meant a lot. So mentors and sponsors look different. we need to ensure we are open to all who are willing to genuinely pour into us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's so interesting when I hear people with similar stories of, of the mentors and sponsors who, who really just don't look like them. And you're like, how did we form such a bond? But it happened, right? I think some connections are just divine. They're supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah. But um, and I share like in, in, in my book, Visible Strengths about, you know, how to also secure relationships. I think people always feel like, oh, you know, when I am, you know, at this point, I need something, I need somebody really senior to do this and do that. But what are you doing in return? Right. And I talk, Mm -hmm. you know, really genuinely, um, you know, serving other people, you know, whether or not you're going to get something out of them, serve them, care about them, celebrate them. Yeah. um, You know, do what they ask you to do and follow up. And mm-hmm. you know, like that, and engage with them regularly. Don't just engage when you need something. Engage mm-hmm. regularly. Ask them how their their family, their kids. You know how the barbecue went, how church went on Sunday, how all the thing. So all of that is how like relationships are, are are built. But I think unfortunately we've turned forming relationships or networking in quotes as like a transaction. But it's mm. really about. It's about finding points of connection and continuing to nurture those points of connection until those relationships really, you know, form such that people are just open to now kind of giving you whatever it is that you you're looking for and vice versa, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's a relationship. And so it has to be mutually beneficial. And so just as you're walking through like your your career pathway. It's not just about looking for those who will help you, but also how you can help them in return. So it's quite mm. it's a massive, like sort of change in, in pace. And that's, you know, that's one thing that I'm always checking for. Even before I figure out like how someone can help me, I'm always thinking how I can help them. Mm-hmm. That they're kind of this indebtedness thing. They're just indebted to you at this point. And so they just give you whatever. Um, so that's kind of the, the pathway. I think just having that 
that openness and willingness to also kind of serve other people. Absolutely. And I want to talk about the book in two seconds, but I want to go back to something you mentioned, um, career joy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I've never heard it phrased like that. And so as someone who coaches quite a bit in different areas, not just to students, but also to moms. And I talk about kind of creating your own balance, but that has to be aligned with what brings you joy or else performance is just, you know, you're not going to bring your best self to the environment likely. So career joy, how do you identify what that is? How do you define it? Right. And and how do you ensure that what you pursue um, is aligned with what will bring you that level of joy? Because that that's a heavy term. Right? It's a heavy, heavy term. So talk to us a little bit more about that, Mary. Gosh, it's a big it's a it's a it's a huge topic, but effectively it's kind of what <laughs> what I spent time kind of researching and writing about. And um when you think about career joy, you're probably thinking about being in a place where you're feeling satisfied and you're feeling fulfilled and you are, you know, that feeling when you wake up in the morning and you're not dreading the day mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. at night, you are tired, which is a natural human feeling, but you're not feeling like, God, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Kind of practically how I think about like, career joy I'm not necessarily thinking about um I think sometimes when I say career joy people think oh my god I'm standing on a table and doing a dance that's not <laughs> quite that it not could quite. be but it could be but it's it's spectrums right like work is still work it's mm-hmm. called work for a reason it's mm-hmm. always going to feel like work but do I come do am I done at the end of the day and do I feel like you know what that was good I can identify what I did I can see how what I what I spent my all these hours, I can see why it matters. I can see how I'm growing um, every single day. I can see how I've challenged myself and I'm ready to do this again. Mm-hmm. That's how I really think about practical, solid career joy, not some like kumbaya type <laughs> of I'm talking about. Um, now, you know, like one thing, like I'll, I'll share some statistics. So Gallup, who are like their global analytics firm and, and they're very, very focused on a lot of work in the in the strengths, the use of strengths within your career. And they quote some stats that are that are actually quite quite interesting. And they keep doing this research and they keep kind of they they, they double down on this every, pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the fact that you know people who are using, you know, focused on using their strengths in the workplace are six times more effective and engaged. Um, in their roles, they observe an an eight to eighteen percent increase in performance, and are three times more likely to report having an excellent quality of life than those who do not use their strengths in the workplace. Mm. In fact, people who use their strengths in the workplace in general are more energized, rested, happy, confident. They're also less worried, stressed, angry, and anxious. And overall, they're more likely to achieve their goals. That for me sounds like career joy. In a, in a major way. In a major way. And then mm-hmm. me, what they're basically saying is all of that stems from using, like, you know, using your strengths. 
in the workplace, like using what comes most naturally to you. And so this is what was really attractive to me when I started thinking about this idea of finding joy, like finding joy starts with using strengths, using strengths starts with discovering strengths. And so it kind of, you know, you go back one step, one step, and you get to the beginning. Um, And so that was kind of really what I was, you know, spent a lot of my time on and really started you know, going on this journey for myself and like seeing the, like the fruits of it, you know, coming, coming to pass. I'll say look, finding career joy really is being in a place where you are using what's most naturally natural mm. to you to drive, um, to drive forward the agenda of your organization, to contribute value in a way that is super tangible. Uh, but also in, in, but also to do that in a way that you are growing yourself and you're also achieving your own goals right? That is career joy. Um, And so it's the pathway of how do I discover my strengths? How do I craft my career around my strengths? How do I add value intentionally and innovatively every single day? And then how do I create more opportunities to keep on doing that? Um, So that's really for me is like living out career joy and and the like. And so, yeah, so um, yeah, it's a journey, but it's beautiful when you get there. It's beautiful. And, and like you're saying this and I'm like, all of this so resonates, um, not just for me, but for so many, because you know, when you're in that, that zone and you're actually using your strengths or that kind of zone of genius and, mm-hmm. that's, and I, that's it. And, and I'm thinking about this book that you've poured it into for all of us. And, and the title, straight up, Visible Strengths, right? Like, I just want us to be here for a minute because I'm thinking about the college student, traditional or non-traditional, right? You know, 18 to 30-something, 40-something years old. Right. I'm, I'm thinking about, I don't know, you know, the woman who's there, maybe thinking about a career pivot or um, trying a new um, role or going for a promotion or who's just not sure of what to do next. Right. Right. I, I want us to speak to her for a minute about this book, right? Mm-hmm. About visible strengths. We've just talked a little bit about strengths and, and essentially strengths finder in the other book <laughs> that comes to mind since you mentioned Gallup, <laughs> um, which I love. But this book, I feel like I love so much more. And for a number of reasons, again, there's a sisterhood here, um, but you've poured so much into it. So talk for a second about the book. Let's talk to the woman who's not sure of what to do next Mm. in her career. And she looks like us. Mm, mm. Whoosh. Um, So talk to me, basically. (laughs) Kind of what that sounds like, and talk to me. <laughs> We're talking to each other. No, this is like, hey, sis. Yes. <laughs> um, look, I think the like the first thing I always say is like, look, this this I, like you're not alone, right? That's that's the first thing, and um, one of the reasons why I wrote this book, I'll, I'll start there before kind of delving into what you can expect to find in here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I wrote this book is really to address sort of key career struggles that young professionals, in particular professionals who are, you know, you know, in, mm, 
on in underserved or slightly disenfranchised positions, whether it's from a gender perspective, from an ethnic minority perspective, disabilities, whatever it is that, you know, that maybe typically tend to lack guidance in their careers um, and don't have access to it. You know, they tend to have sort of four categories of struggles um, is one, they lack clarity. So if you're feeling like you're lacking clarity right now, you are not alone. Like this idea, like, I don't know what path I want to take. I don't know if my ladder is on the right wall is not, um, is, is not unusual. It's actually way, way, way more common, um, than you might think. Uh, the second issue is confidence. This idea, like I may know that my ladder is on the right wall, but I'm not really sure how to climb it. Mm. Um, and so there's that, this confidence of how to articulate your strengths and how to present your work in a way that attracts new opportunities. Then there's the three, the community is, do I have somebody who's pushing me up that ladder? Or do I have somebody who's pulling me up the ladder? I'm feeling like I'm well supported when I'm somewhere in the middle. Well, wow. Or- at the start in the middle or somewhere at the top um you know community we tend to lack very sticky and sustainable relationships necessary for pro- for progression in the workplace um and for coaching this you know we tend to lack access to professional development programs that really prepare prepare us for the workplace and they equi- continue to equip us with strategies to succeed and so this is this is research this is like this is fact so if you're mm-hmm. if you're any of those problems the first thing i'll say to you is relax you are not alone this is a lot more common than than you are but then how do i help you close the gap is really what i talk about this thing called the visible strengths philosophy um hence the title of the book visible strengths and it's really like you know we all know there's no shortage of career advice there's always like something to do about like you know how do you find fulfillment and success in your career that you know there are tons and tons of ideas but when you, when you when you listen to all these ideas and you whittle it all down, it pretty much comes down to this sort of through line. And that through line is really that if you can cut through the echo chamber of all of that information, whatever industry you are, whatever sector, whatever stage line, whatever, it all boils down to, ele- to these three elements. Use my strengths, add value, communicate my results. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And that's the essence of the that's essence of the book. And that's really the essence of our entire careers and everything that we're doing. Yeah. And this this concept of career joy, right? Um, so whether you're listening to this podcast right now and you are just starting out, or you are in the middle of your career, or you're even already senior, play those words back in your like in your mind, and you would realize like you're gonna find yourself somewhere in that circle. Mm-hmm. And the cover of the book is intentionally a circle, like for a reason. It's like you're somewhere, always somewhere in there. Um, and wherever you are, you can jump in at, at the relevant part of that circle and then continue. Um, and so breaking sort of those concepts down is really this idea of, you know, as we just, we just talked about, you know, career joy and, and, and strengths. And I start with like, you know, you need to capitalize on your strengths. You need to leverage your strengths in everything that you do you know what are strengths these are the things that come most naturally to you these are the things that are your package of unique and you know unique either like born or learned talents um mm. that nurture every day and that come most naturally to you and are just so uniquely you they're part of like your dna mm-hmm. uh, where like wherever whenever you think about the work that you should be doing whenever you think about 
what you should be investing your time in and your day in and what you should be spending um, energy on. It's really the things that are built on top of your strengths. It should not be anything else. Many of us are constantly living out somebody else's life, unfortunately. Um, but if you just took the, the moment and got the clarity and the bravery to just say, that's not me mm. it's or me, you will realize like you are now leading your own life. But a lot of the time, the lack of clarity is because shiny object syndrome, everybody else's life looks better than mine. I know that I'm good at caring for people, but I want to work in finance because finance will make seven digits. But that's not your core. That's not your strength. So you're going to do that and be frustrated. But if you were building your career in care, you will eventually make the money uh, and you will just be happier in the pathway. So it's about just trying to build on your strengths like that. That's sort of the, the first, first thing. And research actually shows that only like four out of 10 people um, at work really believe that they are in jobs where they get to do what they do best daily. Wow. So that's less than 50% of people. Four out of 10. Four out of 10 are actually in jobs where they they feel like they are doing what they they do best. Um, And that's sad. Very. 50% of people just like, well, basically call it 60% of people are working in jobs that are not suited for them. That's crazy. So, so unhappiness and we talk about like the great resignation we talk about this quiet quitting um concept and we wonder why like the data says we're not happy you're not happy and and that joy is doing what you do best every single day and you know really positioning yourself there right so capitalizing your strengths number two contribute value Wherever you are, you have to make sure you are solving problems. And that's the only way you're going to be in demand. Um, How you figure out those problems, how you identify your stakeholders, how you, um, you know, understand what is most valuable. That looks different in different environments. And I talk a lot about that in the book. Um, But you have to really understand what is considered valuable to those that you serve. And you need to deliver those relevant results consistently and innovatively. No one can argue with value. Facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about like, we see, you know, this, ugh, there's an array of, you know, lots of selling and offers and all these things out there. But the fact is when someone shows you tangible results, you can't argue with that. Yeah. So yeah. You can charge whatever you want to charge. And this also applies to people in business. You can charge whatever you can charge when someone sees that okay, if I put this money down, this is what it becomes. Mm -hmm. There is a value attribution here. So you are able to um, ask for whatever pay you want to ask for, ask for whatever promotion you want to ask for, ask for whatever job you want to ask for, if you can demonstrate your value add. No one can argue with that. When you say, I went into this organization, I transformed it, I generated X amount of dollars, I saved X amount of dollars, that's, you can't argue with that. That is yeah. numbers on the plate. That is yep. value right there. So contribute value and, you know, leverage your strengths to do that. And the final piece, which is the piece that we tend to miss a lot, is how do you communicate your results? Mm. You know, how do you tell the story of the work that you're doing? Because that is the piece that restarts the, like, the opportunity circle. If you, if you just, if you capitalize on your strengths and add value and it stops there, you kind of limit how far you can go because 
what you need to do is actually now start sharing and telling people, hey, this is what I did. This is the work that I'm doing. This is why I've done it. This is how I've done it. This is why it's the solution to your most pressing problem. Mm-hmm. Once, once that happens, people are like, ah, I get it now. And it just creates more opportunities for you to capitalize on your strengths and contribute value and communicate even more results. You know, work doesn't speak. People do. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that sort of, so wherever you are in your career phase right now, whether it is that you're someone who, if you're someone who's working a job that, is you know it has something to do with what you like to do best. Now is the time to reposition. If you're someone who you feel like you're in the right place, but you are not clear of the things that you do daily and whether they matter, now is the time to start doing the assessment of what is valuable, how do I add value, who are my key stakeholders, how do I make sure like I am fully aligned and that the work that I'm doing every day is adding to something much bigger than my than my seat. Mm-hmm. There's someone who is doing that, but you feel like you're doing all of this work and getting no recognition. It's time for you to like drop the paper and the pad and start talking. Yeah. Pick up, pick up the loudspeaker and start saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. And it's not self-promotion. It's value promotion. It's not about, not about me, me, me. And this is the reason why a lot of people don't do it. It's really about look at the work that I've done. And Mm -hmm. this is why you should care about that. So it's not about you you talking is about signposting your work. Mm -hmm. It's not about signposting to you. Mm -hmm. When you can switch your mind into that phase, you realize like it talking about your work and sharing about your work is not going to make you arrogant. It's not going to make you, um, you know, look like whatever it is that we always feel nervous about doing but it's really about signposting to people because what you have done can help other people and they should know about it. So wherever you are in that circle, jump in, jump in and, you know, keep going because you are probably somewhere there. And if you have it all figured out, great, you know, share Mm -hmm. and tell people how you've done it, share, share with others, pull people along, you know, it's now your responsibility um, to, not just keep that information to yourself, but now actually like share, share with us and like help people kind of get onto the, onto the circle as well. So um, yeah. So that's like, in essence, the message a lot, yeah. a lot, but it's a message and you yeah. can find yourself sort of somewhere in these pages. Wow. Wow. And wow. <laughs> I, like before we hit record, I told you, I love this book for so many reasons. Mary, like, okay. So before I go any further, I want to share, just kind of weave this in. Um, If you're listening to this now and you're like, I need Mary's book because Mary and Christina said I need the book. And so you have (laughs) to have the book. Um, Make sure you're subscribed to my email list and send me an email. The first, I don't know, three people to do it um, will get a copy of Mary's book. So hold me to that. And and the link to subscribe is in the show notes. Make sure you get your hands on this book. Like, (laughs) and and I mean it genuinely. I am not one for fluff, um, not one for sugarcoating things like this. This is it. This is so much of what we need in this community, right? No gatekeeping of how to progress in our careers, 
right? There's no room for that. Um, so, all right, link in show notes to subscribe. First three people who send me an email to say, make sure I get my hands on visible strains, Christina, will get the book. Um, I, I call this show the keys to the office because mm-hmm. I think about how we, um, and you've, you, 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 like you touched on this earlier, how so many of us kind of don't know the options that exist. We don't have the mentors or know how to access the mentors. Um, we don't have that guidance. A lot of us are first generation college students. I was one. Um, so, it's the keys to the office because as professionals, um, we have, I think, we have the ability to impact generational wealth. Yeah. And we are responsible for doing that and sharing our paths and sharing our messages um, and lifting as we climb. So Talk to me, if you had to sum it up, right, a major key to the office, right? What's one thing, in addition to getting your book, um, (laughs) that an individual can do today or can start working on or planning for, right, to position them for success? And you've said so much. Tell me one major thing they can start working on now. Self-awareness. Ooh, point blank period. (laughs) Mic drop, kick off the stage. Keep going, Mary. Self-awareness. Talk to us more about that. Just know yourself and to thyself be true. Mm. Um, That's it. Like everything is self-awareness is the bedrock of self-mastery. Self-mastery is just what makes you tick. basically. Um, So if you've, if you've heard nothing else, in all of this right now, make sure you have a clear idea of who you are fundamentally and how you want to use that person and that awareness to show up every day and mm-hmm. not show up at work, show up at your home, show up with your friend groups, your communities, your whatever it is, your business. Just know who you are. We all we are all who we are, but I don't think we spend enough time with ourselves. Many of us know our friends more than we know ourselves um, because we don't sit with ourselves. We don't listen to our own thoughts. In fact, we actually try, and I'm guilty of this, like we try to drown our thoughts out mm-hmm. just with, you know, real housewives and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I don't, I don't even want to think about what's going on in my head right now, but actually, yeah. If, you, if we sat with ourselves, we spent more time in introspection. We, you know, we ask the so what questions every day. You know, something is happening, is giving me information. And so what? How does this impact me? How is this making me feel? Um, we would, I think we would make, we'll make more decisions for ourselves. And I think we will make just less mistakes. Um, mm. along the way. So, yeah, my one thing is self-awareness. Self-awareness, mm-hmm. sit with yourself you know, spend time on just, just spend time, spend time unpacking. If if it's therapy you need, do it. Yeah. Spend time unpacking who you are and why you do the things you do and what makes you show up the way you show up. That's transformational. And it's just this number one, if you can get that right. Yeah. That's the career joy. (laughs) And own it, right? Like become aware and then own who you are. 
Love. I love that addition. I'm going to take that from you. Oh, God. Take it. Ownership. I'm going to take it from you. (laughs) And own it. Be comfortable with. with... But be very uncomfortable with who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so possible, especially like if you grow up in an environment where there are all these expectations. Mm -hmm. All these like labels and all these things. So you're like, I know who I am, but who I am is not going to be accepted in these streets. So, you know, but you need to be that person that says, no, this is who I am. And I'm going to honor that person Mm -hmm. every day with my choices, with my words, with my actions. I'm going to honor who I am and do it. Like that is the beginning of career joy. (laughs) Mary, Mary, Mary. Adeyemi, I um, I can't thank you enough for carving out time to share so much. Like I do this podcast for our communities, um, and oftentimes I get so much from it. And and this is one of those episodes that um, I feel. I feel um, I like, and I'm not normally one to struggle for words, but this feels so good um, to talk to someone else who's doing the work and you just poured into me in a way that, I mean, one day I'll I'll tell you all the ways it has impacted my life, but um, this conversation has meant a lot to me. It has meant a lot. I know to the Keys family. Um, And so I thank you. I thank you. For, for all you're doing. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's meant a lot to me too. So awesome. I'm really happy to have, to be here and to share and yeah, to hear how it's all going to impact you and hear stories, more, more career joy stories, guys. That's what I want to hear. More career joy stories. You can do it. How can we find you? How can we support you? How can we get support from you? And then for the, you know, those who don't get the book, right? For the three select people who will get the book for me. Um, how can they get the book? How can they get the book? Okay. Um, how can you find me? I am um, in all places social, um, in particular on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Just search my name, uh, Mary Mushafrade. I mean, I know Christina's going to put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And um, you can also connect with my company, Visibility Limited, also Visibility on LinkedIn and Visibility on Instagram. Um, and website is visibility.com. And you can always hit contact me and you, yeah, straight. Uh, it's always me on the other side. There's no, there's no chat bot. There's no mm-hmm. whatever. It's always me. So I'm always going to be the one coming back um, by email. Where you can find the book, easiest place is Amazon. Um, dot com that's the easiest way to get a copy and you can get it in digital or print format if you're looking to get more than one copy at a time say for um, an engagement or something bigger then please send me an email at mma at visibility.com and then we can kind of organize that um, for you and maybe maybe get it signed or even hook you up with a speaking engagement or something like that um that could work so that's yeah so depending on what you want to do you can always find us in so many places but yeah thank you mary i appreciate you and and just know you are stuck with me now (laughs) 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 we are stuck we are stuck um in a good way because there's more work to be done um and i know we're both committed to doing it so thank you and i will talk to you soon 
Thank you so much. Speak soon. All right. If you're hearing this message, you have listened to the entire episode. And for that, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review and check out our website at www.thekeystotheoffice.com. We look forward to connecting with you in a future episode. Until then, go be amazing.